welcome to Knitter Square. I'm your host Leanne Hunt and I hope you'll pick up your knitting and spend the next little while with me as we share that warm fuzzy feeling that comes when we knit and crochet for charity. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 4 of the podcast. It's great that you can join us again and I'm really pleased to say that um, this podcast is uh, taking taking shape now. I feel as if it's sort of starting to gain a character of its own and I just really want to thank those of you who have given me positive feedback. Um, when I started this out I was very keen to start a podcast um, because I just I love podcasts as a medium. I, I feel they're a very intimate medium where you can speak directly to one person and sort of be sitting together in a room especially with a knitting podcast you can be sitting together uh, knitting together or crocheting um, but it, it it was a medium that I really felt had potential for us to um, to use for Knitter Square and I'm glad to say that it is working out that way and a couple of people have have said to me they've so appreciated hearing from the volunteers here in South Africa um, because it's given a very real sense of um, you know who are uh, you know, the people on the ground are and the challenge that we have to face. And of course, um, also the, the people who are far away on the other side of the world helping to uh, make things happen. So this week I have um, an interesting interview with Amy Pettigrew. Amy is a member of our forum. Um, she's from the United States and she was visiting us earlier this year in February. Obviously, it was long before the lockdown <laughs> happened um, or even coronavirus was on the scene. So there was no sense of the threat there. Um, I did the recording and I'm very pleased I did because um, it was one of the first recordings I did for the podcast. Um, it came out fine, but then I was unable to use it because it seemed that um, we weren't going to be able to get back to normal very quickly. Um, I decided to include it in this episode simply because uh, it's great to hear voices from our moderators and well to, to hear our moderators speaking and to hear the accents of, of the, the people that are involved in Little Square from around the world. I think it gives us a sense of, of just how far this project has reached. So that's the first interview that I have for you and the second one uh, is a chat, another group call with Rhonda and Estelle. Uh, where we just catch up on what's been happening in the last couple of weeks here in South Africa. Um, I'll, uh, I'll get back to that a little later. But first of all, I thought I would just update you. It's um, We are up to day 60 or so of our lockdown here in South Africa. We're still in level four, but there's speculation that by the time this podcast goes out on Tuesday, um, we will have transitioned to level three, certainly in some of the provinces. Not sure if that's going to be consistent throughout the country. Anyway, level three may mean a little bit of lessening of restrictions, but um, I don't think we'll be meeting again in the barn until perhaps level one. In the meantime, um, we are <laughs> slowly but surely getting used to being in lockdown. I know for some people, for myself um, in particular, it's actually been rather relaxing um, it's nice to be able to get on with projects and, uh, you know, when one is used to living at home um, or spending one's time at home and having to keep oneself busy, um, it's, you know, one has those projects available. And I've spoken before, I have my gardening, I have my knitting, crocheting, podcasting, um, and I've been enjoying some cooking and baking lately as well. 
I think for those who are essential workers, it's been quite demanding because they've got the extra stress of having to sanitize and keep everything clean and maintain their social distancing. So on top of having to work in the supermarkets or banks or um, the teachers will be going back soon, so they'll be working in classrooms, um, there's the extra stress of just worrying about um, passing on the infection, passing on the virus. Um, and I know for other people still, it's been incredibly frustrating and rather lonely being cut off from just general social activity. You know, extroverts among us have definitely felt that in a big way and um, missed being able to just get out and about and spend time in the hustle and bustle of normal everyday life. So if you're one of those people and you're stuck inside knitting because it's something to keep your hands busy and keep you from going stir crazy, <laughs> then I just hope that you'll enjoy spending this time with me and the other members around the world um, in the podcast. Um, I can say for myself, the first time I ever went out with a mask, it was rather an awkward and strange experience and I felt very self-conscious. But I've been out a couple of times since then, um, been to do some grocery shopping. I went to the hardware store this last weekend to buy some pots and potting soil <laughs> to take some cuttings and do some propagation of, of begonias and um, tiger lilies. And um, it was rather interesting for me to notice that um, after just a couple of weeks of going out in a mask, it feels totally normal. It's not comfortable because I find I, I really want to sort of scratch my face underneath the mask. It's not a, not a comfortable experience to wear it at all. But um, I've heard from other people as well, they scarcely even notice the, the, the crowds, the people around them wearing masks. Of course, I can't tell because I can't see the people around me. But um, I believe that uh, it's become such a normal thing that you barely notice it because you tend to focus perhaps on the eyes rather than on the mouth that would be smiling at you. Of course, it's been such a time of change and transition for us all. And I think um, it really is worth stepping back and taking notice that change is a normal part of life. And although it can be really uncomfortable, it's often an interlude between what was and what is. And things will be different. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think in some sense we will have a better appreciation of the... Um, the kind of structures and the processes that keep our society functioning um, because we've had many of those things stop, stop stall for so long. Um, many services and products and things that were available before the lockdown have just not been available. Um, so we will appreciate those things more and I think also just be able to appreciate the relationships that we have um, I've noticed in particular, I've really felt out of touch with people that I haven't spoken to on the phone. And just yesterday when I was scrolling through my contacts, I noticed a name of a person I haven't spoken to some time. And I really wondered, I wonder how he's doing. Because before the lockdown, um, we'd been in touch and that person had um, been struggling. And because uh, they live so far away on the other side of the world, I've not been in touch but, you know, you sort of start to wonder, really, um, you feel the gap more when there is such a, a slowing down of activity. And people everywhere seem to have um, been taking stock, been contemplating perhaps 
what they've been doing and whether it is as important as they thought it was, maybe even reevaluating their purposes and their aims and goals in life. Um, that's been one of the things that's been on my mind. And I think one has to, um, it's not a case of resignation, it's a case of acceptance. You have to get to a point of accepting that change happens. It's not always comfortable, but sometimes it's necessary because forces are at work in our world. And sometimes, you know, you too much of a good thing, you're kind of going along and you get very complacent and you, you sort of stop realizing that others are not um, benefiting. And in our present situation, it may not be other people, it may be nature itself starting to fight back. You know, things have been going in one direction for so long that, um, you know, viruses and infections and things are able to spread more easily than they would if we weren't running the world the way we are. So I've been one of those who've sort of taken a step back and looked at some of the, the practices that we have in Western society, Western culture, doing things with this eye on profit and progress and improvement and growth and thinking that maybe actually we need to let nature speak to us a bit about what nature needs, what the earth needs, what the plant kingdom is requiring from us because perhaps we haven't attended to it enough. Uh, on that note, you may be wondering, um, as some of you have asked along the way, how do I read? Because I can't see. I'm visually impaired, as I've explained before. Most of my reading is done by audiobook these days. Um, but when it comes to reading things like websites and my, tele my phone, my cell phone, uh, I use screen reading software. It's an amazing technology that has come into being perhaps only in the last 20 years, because if I look back 20 years, I know that I wasn't on the internet because I didn't have the kind of um, device and I didn't have the kind of software that was available, well, or that was even invented possibly, that could navigate the web for me. Um, and then from about 90, no, from about the year 2000 onwards, um, things began to change. And I got my first cell phone in 2007 and from about 2010, I was using very advanced technology. Well, it felt very advanced to me at that point because I was um, navigating websites on, on the internet. In 2011, I was able to publish my first book um, through online publishing, which is a sort of a digital um, print-on-demand kind of thing where you, you send your manuscript in and you get it formatted and then you press publish and it, it publishes and then people can um, write in well send their orders into Amazon and order copies and those get printed immediately and distributed and once I'd done that I was excited then I went on to Kindle publishing and got my books published in e-format so I do have a couple of books out there um, a novel or two and a self-help book on what blind people need you to know um, but that's that's going back several years now and my focus is much more on podcasts and podcasting and I still love um, gaining knowledge from the internet and from audiobooks. So I'm definitely a student, <laughs> an eternal student who just loves to learn and loves to share what I learn. I think that's one of these one of the benefits of having a podcast where I can I can speak to to people who are interested in what I'm interested in and if you're a knitter or a crocheter and you do actually enjoy 
um, using your hands and practicing some traditional crafts and making things to benefit and to warm others, then we definitely have something in common. So as I've said, my computer and my phone have been real ways of, of communicating across the world with people. And I so appreciate it because as someone who who's you know not been able to see for many, many years, um, it I would otherwise be cut off from all this. And the, as it is, thanks to the technology and thanks to my own insatiable capacity to learn new things <laughs> and my um, resolve because I do rather persist with these things even if I struggle at the beginning um, I've been able to to do all these things so I just as I said in the beginning I thank you so much for, for the support that you've given me to launch the podcast and to keep um, inspiring me because it's really motivational to hear from people who've enjoyed it and as I've said um in the past if you do want to send in suggestions and everything you're welcome to do so um, my email is leanne at knittersquare.com also if you want to leave a rating and review and most podcasters off, um, mention this at the end of their podcast episode but I'm just plopping it here in the middle because um, it occurred to me as I'm sitting knitting and chatting to you if you could leave a rating and review it definitely helps others to find the podcast because it raises this podcast in the rankings and when it when someone puts in a search and types in knitting or crafts or charity or something like that it will help this podcast to come up higher and it aids in discovery so going forward um i'm going to be sharing with you that episode that i recorded in february with amy pettigrew um i think you'll um, pick up what that's all about as it goes along and then after that uh, the interview that I have with Estelle and Rhonda and with that one I just want to apologize the audio quality is not great I recorded it on my uh, cell phone at home in front of my podcasting microphone but unfortunately background noises do carry and uh, I think that Estelle was sitting outside and uh, so there's some garden sounds that that came through um I've tried to sort of edit out uh, other sounds that, that happened while we were recording uh, simply by just cutting and splicing the, the tape together. I have an audio editor who does that for me and I'm very grateful to be able to, to get that service. just makes this podcast a little easier to produce. Um, so anyway, those two interviews will be coming up shortly and then I'll be chatting to you again at the end of the episode with some news of something to look out for. All right, I'm sitting here on a Tuesday morning with Amy Pettigrew and we are um, really excited to have her here because she's visiting us while on holiday from Houston, Texas. Um, she's visiting South Africa with her husband and she's made a special trip to Johannesburg to come and visit us at the barn. So um, Amy uh, is, of course, the person who runs the forum on the Nitta Square website and she also runs the Nitta Square Facebook page. Um, so uh, she's really one of those people that we can be so thankful to for putting up all the news, the photographs about the distributions and keeping us informed about all the goings on. Amy, can you just tell us your impressions of the Nitta Square Barn so far? Because you've been working here about four, four hours, I think. <laughs> what have you found? The Nitta Square Barn is a wonderful atmosphere, warm ladies, brilliant colors, squares everywhere, packages, a lot of love and care for the children. 
just a wonderful place to be amid sorting chaos. <laughs> it is rather sorting chaos, <laughs> but but we do find the the atmosphere is always lovely. And today we had an especially big cake of of blankets brought in. Um, I know the last time I looked at it was nearly shoulder height. <laughs> yes, it was. We had a go-go group come in and um, uh, Estelle brought in group blankets from her group. And it was just fun to see the, the cake grow almost two and a half feet while I was in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's um, blankets that are made up of 35 squares each and often with a border. So the size of the blankets is sort of about two meters by one and a half meters uh, in size. Um, and you're talking about how high would you say the cake? Mm. Uh, the cake was uh, easily a meter and a half. Yeah, maybe more. Yeah, mm -hmm. pretty tall. And all of that is just wonderful, solid knitting, uh, textured squares, and it's just a, a cake of warmth. <laughs> a cake of warmth from sixty countries around the world. Everybody's mm. sending things in. So whether they're completed blankets or whether they're thirty-five squares of twenty centimeters each put together. Mm. You did some sorting as well, I believe. I did some sorting, which mm -hmm. was interesting to see that uh, not everything is perfectly square. Uh, different thicknesses, some picture squares, and uh, mm. it's just fun to see different things. I opened a package from Canada mm -hmm. and uh, was nearby one that came in from Czechoslovakia, the Republic of Czechoslovakia mm -hmm. and England. Yes, yes. Yeah, we, we've seen, we have amazing volunteers or knitters around the world. And mm -hmm. it's always exciting to get the, the unusual countries represented because sometimes we'll get a package that we, from a country we've never had before. And that's always a thrill for you all. Mm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then equally thrilling is the, the local schools and uh, churches, you know, literally around Johannesburg that send in bags and somebody will walk in like a lady walked in today with 35 squares that she just completed wanted to donate them yes and that was fun and i enjoyed when when i'm posting pictures there was a school here of all girls that sent in over four thousand squares that's right at the at the end of their term or midterm they came in i think that was since to the end yes it was school and yeah. it was just it, the bundles and bundles and bundles of love and then to see the completed blankets that have mm. been put together by those squares was a treat from living so far away in the united states mm. So, Amy, and would you tell us all a little bit about how you first became involved in Knitter Square? Well, Knitter Square, my journey was very interesting because I only crochet, <laughs> and I had never crocheted before until I heard about Knitter Square. A girl in my Bible study group uh, introduced this to me during one of her devotionals mm -hmm. that we have, and I said, I can do that. And she taught me how to crochet. And mm -hmm. that was almost six years ago. And I have been crocheting for Knit a Square ever since. And mm -hmm. so it, after I came to Soweto and Johannesburg 14 years ago on a mm -hmm. family vacation. And so I'd seen the areas where these blankets were being distributed. And it just tugged on my heartstrings. Mm -hmm. And I said, I can make a difference. Yeah. So. Fantastic. Yeah. Then how did you get from beginning crocheting for Knitter Square into a position where you, you are responsible for so much and you work so hard. I have no idea. <laughs> um, I supported Knitter Square and then three years, 
three years later, I was asked to be a moderator, which is a team of ladies from, uh, we have uh, one lady from Australia, somebody from the Netherlands, a group, uh, people from the UK, Canada, and United States that makes up the moderator team that oversees all aspects of the Square Circle Forum, which Mm -hmm. is the page where our members can see our distributions, the blanket room, all sorts of wonderful things. Mm. And then uh, two years into that, the original leaders that set up the page after 10 years of devoted work decided to retire. Mm. And somehow my name came up to fill in the position. (laughs) (laughs) You do it very capably too. (laughs) It's a roundabout way, but Mm. um, I also share duties are behind the scene technical person is... um, and Andrea, and mm-hmm. she is in Canada. So we yes. kind of tag team between the two of us of getting things done behind the scenes. Wonderful. Gee, that's fantastic. And from um, from Johannesburg, what does the rest of your holiday look like? We are spending most of our holiday in Tanzania mm-hmm. doing the mass migration of animals was our goal in coming here. Wonderful. And then we'll spend a little bit of time in Victoria Falls, and we round out with three days in Cape Town because we haven't been there to get another side of Af- South African life. Yes. Sounds wonderful. Well, I wish you a wonderful holiday and thank you so much for chatting to us. And we're just so privileged to have visitors from overseas. So thank you for popping in. And Well, thank you, Leanne, for making this more available so our Knit a Square family can feel more like fireside chats and at home. Mm, Exactly. This looks like a fun endeavor to, to share the word further and further around the world. Yeah. Good. Well, thanks, Amy. Thank you so much. I'm on a group call here with Rhonda and Estelle. Unfortunately, Athelay couldn't join us today, but um, we're just going to update you a little bit on what we've been able to do in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Estelle, do you want to um, tell us about your lovely um, discovery of some new squares? (laughs) Yes, we were absolutely delighted when Rhonda said that she'd open up the barn for us to go in quickly and get squares and uh, sort out a few things and I think we must have spent about an hour and an hour and a half there but we all managed to get uh, bags of squares that that were meant for the goggles but we were all desperate and Liz held in here she came in with about 20 blankets and she took a couple of bags Athelay was there, and she took some, I took some uh, for Anna across the road. She wanted three, and I thought, well, wow. But uh, there were three in the end to take to her, so I did. And I got two, which I'll share with my friends and ladies who sew up for me. Mm. So so that was nice, because we were really scratching the bottom of the barrel looking for, <laughs> for stuff to do. And I actually even made a Christmas blanket that I normally do in about September, October. Yes. But um, I, to use up, you know, what I had. So, so that was nice. And uh, obviously there wasn't new post or anything like that. We didn't have coffee. We just <laughs> sort of did what we had to do, tidied up a couple of things, and uh, we were very grateful that Rhonda could open for us. Marvellous. Yeah, and we all wore our masks. Yes, yes, we did. Very diligent, no hugging, and total <laughs> social distancing. Uh, on the subject of the... Um, 
post, we obviously haven't heard anything from Postmaster yet, but um, I've had four calls from uh, people, local people around, uh, two in my daughter's area on the East Rand, and two here of groups that have been making squares. So in fact, we are going to have deliveries of squares and other bits and pieces in the next, well, during this week, I think. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so when we do decide that it's time to go back and have another kind of meeting and exchange in the barn, then I will have, you know, at least four bags of squares, which is going to be... That's wonderful. Very that nice. would be super, yes. Mm. Mm. And then, of course, we help Rhonda pack um, things for the squatter camp yes. uh, that, that she um, took to be delivered. Mm. That's right. So we we packed up 80 blankets, and I found some second-hand clothes and stuff lying around. This is for the, the white. Um, it's an enormous white squatter camp. It's now about a 1,000 people living there. Um, wow. And... Um, they've, they've got a lot of children in the area, but they're also absolutely destitute because the, you know, the, um, the government system is not catering for non-South Africans and non-blacks. Now, I know that's probably not politically correct to say so, but it is the truth. Mm. And so we need now, I think, to, to look out for those who are falling through the cracks of, mm. this, of the COVID-19 supply chain and this is a, an area which has huge needs in that, that respect so so far it's uh, we gave them two bags of beanies and 80 blankets and i did take the children's clothing but then the next day i had an appeal from a friend with a uh, who knew of a an indigent child close to the city center where he works um a two-year-old who uh, um who he'd been unable to find clothing for. And so I went back to the lady I had delivered these bags to, who, who uh, was waiting for the pastor from the squatter camp to come and collect them. And she gave me back the two bags of clothing so that he could take those to this child. They were all small ch child clothing and mm. would have um, suited him well. So that actually worked out. Very well, and he was absolutely delighted. Great, lovely. Yeah, that's great. Yes. Mm. And I do think actually that we, um, that next time we're in the barn, I'll let um, my neighbour know, and if, if she's in touch with the pastor and she needs more stuff, we can at least distribute it to them, knowing that it's going to a very needy place, um, mm. because we're unable at the moment to get our. Our blankets to um, the informal settlements, it's, and that's going to be a long while before mm. our uh, Sowetan volunteers mm. and so on are able to get active with those kind of distributions. So this is a good outlet. Yeah. Yes, we, and will she come and uh, collect them if we go again to the barn? Oh, yes, um, yeah. I will give them to Diane, my neighbour, and the pastor will come and collect. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yes. That's a good pipeline. <laughs> yeah. Good. So, um, and Athelay has been busy uh, sewing up some blankets, sharing them on Facebook. And of course, we've got a knit along as well, which um, we're um, hoping that people will be participating in. 
Um, and so lots of activity happening on this end and all our local volunteers doing as much as they possibly can to knit and to sew up and everything. Yes, yeah. yes it's wonderful. It's very much ongoing and, and uh, yeah, these are all ladies who do knit for us and some of them sew our blankets together. But in the absence of having squares during lockdown, they have been knitting and I'm delighted to be fetching. Erin is getting two bags full. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I have a permit so I could go and collect them from her. Wonderful. Good. So that was another thing that yes, Rhonda and Peter organized for us to go to the barn and to go and collect our things. So we all got a permit, which yeah. made us feel a lot safer. Yes, to have yes, a special absolutely. permit. You have to be careful. Yeah. Definitely. Well, good. So Thanks. We're legal now. We're all legal. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, ladies, for that. Well, as you can hear, um, we here in South Africa are doing as much as we can to keep the show on the road, even during lockdown. Um, And I'm sure you, wherever you are in the world, as you're knitting and crocheting and making your soft toys and hand warmers and beanies and squares, you are um, also, uh, you have a view to, to getting the things posted as soon as you can. We will be expecting a lot of post arriving when the postal system is up and running again. And we hope that um, you will help us when you send your things by including parcel slips. Those parcel slips are on the website at netasquare.com. And um, they, it definitely helps if you if you um, package your, your squares, uh, you know, in, in bundles of 10. And if you um, butterfly in all the ends, uh, the, the, the way to do that is, is demonstrated for you on the website as well. And if you number, uh, or if you count, beg your pardon, if you, if you count your squares and uh, give us a number of how many you've actually contributed, that's where the, um, the volunteers can simply just add a, the parcel slip to the pile of slips and um, bundle up the squares um, according to shape and size and color and that kind of thing. Uh, Rhonda keeps a tally of all the squares that come in um, for her records and it's always nice to be able to sort of see towards the end of the year how many squares have come in and how many blankets have gone out um, it's important for reconciling those numbers and if ever it came to the point of of getting sponsorship from a corporate we'd at least be able to justify our needs by um, proving how you know how much postage has come in from overseas um, the amount of money that we spend on um, postal fees and on the um, the number of of squares and blankets we've actually been able to get to um, to needy children. Um, if you are looking for the parcel slip, um, or you are looking for the the um, packaging slip, which is the one that goes on the outside of your parcel with all the instructions, that is on the website as well at netasquare.com. Uh, you can find it from the main page um, or from the forum. Ah, and that reminds me, I wanted to just mention the Square Circle Forum. You'll find a link to it on the on the main page. That is our membership group and our members are very, very active. And um, it's a lovely community, a lot of really um, inspiring and encouraging and uplifting things are posted in various discussions on that group, as well as um, um, just photo- our members post photographs and things of the of the squares they are knitting because we are always um, 
doing new new and exciting things so if there's a if there's a, a theme i think the last month's theme was a night at the circus if there's a theme the the members will be doing all sorts of lovely patterns and colors and designs that coordinate with that theme which means that when those squares come in um which they do sort of more or less in a in a batch our volunteers can group them together so our blankets come out with a theme and that's always rather fun, uh, especially for the people who get to sew them up. Um, a reminder, and I've said this before, but again, a reminder, please don't insure your parcels. If you do, then they arrive at the post office and we are charged a hefty amount to claim them, which we simply cannot do. We are run entirely on donations from our members and um, our members are really so generous in um, knitting for us and sending their parcels um, they, they just cannot we cannot spend the money that we get from the from donations um, on on um, claiming insured parcels from the post office so uh, it's there are instructions that you must just um, label the parcel that it is a charity donation and it has no value <laughs> um, then I wanted to remind you oh, that there's a cal and it's a square cal that is on the go at the moment. Uh, Rebecca Price is running it. And if you go to the Knitter Square forum, the Square Circle forum, I should say, uh, you can find her discussion on the forum page, the main page of the Square Circle forum, where she's um, interacting with members and everybody's chatting and showing pictures of their squares. And um, to date, as far as I uh, well, as far as I know, at the point of recording, which is Sunday afternoon, um, we are still on stripes, but uh, there will soon be a new pattern design for us to go on to. This will be our fourth, um, the stripes being the third of the of the patterns that Rebecca's put up for us. I believe those um, that the cal is also being um, a link to the cal is also going to be on Facebook, and. Um, there's a Facebook group for the UK listeners as well. So you can pick it up from there. And then I also wanted to mention for those who are sort of really keen knitters, you may know about this already, but there's such a thing as a, a worldwide knit in public day. And this happens each day and each, each year in June. This year it's going to be on Saturday, the 13th of June. And this Worldwide Knit in Public Day was started in 2005. Um, that's something I learned from visiting the website. And it um, was then taken over by a lady who's uh, a lady in Denmark who um, looks after it now. And I didn't realize when I heard about this a couple of years back, I didn't realize that it actually revolves around events that are hosted by knitters, for knitters, where people get together and they literally... In an event, they will knit together, you know, bring along some eats and have some drinks and um, all knit together. And then they create a real presence wherever they've decided to meet. Sometimes it's at a cafe. Sometimes it's in the middle of a town square, wherever it happens to be. Um, it's a rather a statement. I think it's rather fun to, to kind of sit there and knit and let everybody know that these are the kind of people who knit. And if you have a an impression of... Um, um, your grandmother knitting you may be surprised to find out that all sorts of people knit many young mothers with young children who are um, staying at home to look after their children 
take a real interest in, in um, knitting and crocheting and other crafts because it's something that you can do from home and um, it keeps your hands busy while you are watching your children play or you know reading with them or doing whatever um, anyway that is uh, what the the event is usually um, it's usually comprised of but we all know with coronavirus there's less um, meeting in public and with social distancing the the group events may not be happening so I haven't been able to pick up from the website whether um, events are being organized this year but I encourage you to um, do what I did the first couple of years I heard about worldwide knits in public day I actually just took my knitting out with me into the public wherever I was wherever I happened to be on that day and I think the first year I went um I went uh, to a, a restaurant or something, a cafe, and I took out my knitting and I knitted. Um, I was with my family and none of them were knitting, but it was a matter of pride for me to be knitting <laughs> in a public place. And then the following the following year, um, I know I, it wasn't on a Saturday, but I, I happened to visit the doctor and I was sitting in the doctor's rooms knitting. And that, again, was an example that I was setting to people who were waiting with me in the doctor's room that, um, you know, you can take your knitting in it anywhere. And that's something that I, I strongly practice these days. Um, I keep knitting in many, many bags <laughs> and I have many projects on the go all the time. So usually the project that I'm knitting, which is sort of taking more concentration, if it's a, a project that requires shaping like the year I decided to knit a bear, a teddy bear, didn't didn't come out as beautifully as I expected, but I did try. <laughs> and the, the year I decided to knit a cowl with some lace work, um, which is also quite challenging for me, and I had to do that from home. Those ones I will do in my home w without taking my knitting out on the road. But when it comes to knitting squares, and especially a garter stitch square or a crocheted square, um. I like to just keep that knitting in a bag that I can pick up and go. You know, if I'm heading off in the car, I'm not driving the car, obviously, because I'm visually impaired. So I have a driver or perhaps my husband is driving and I'm in the passenger seat and there I am knitting away. And I can knit um, a square in just over an hour. So if we are heading away on a long trip, um, I can often knit five or six squares um, in the course of a journey. And that really is time well spent I think. So I just encourage you if you are going to be out and about around about the the 13th of June the Saturday or perhaps a couple of days either side and you're not used to knitting in public I just want to challenge you to do this. Um, you can take a knitter square square just a garter square one ball of wool and a couple of needles and wherever you find yourself pull out your knitting and do some knitting and if somebody happens to stop by and ask you what are you doing or I never thought that it, you know people knitted in public or whatever you can tell them about Knitter Square. So what a wonderful way to, to pass on the message and you can tell them about the podcast and tell them about the Square Circle Forum and the website and encourage them just to try it because we all know knitting is incredibly therapeutic and for anybody who is locked down at the moment, who's anxious perhaps about what the world will look like afterwards, um, knitting is something that can really keep you grounded. I find that um, it, it does that for me and I love to knit at home listening to audiobooks and podcasts especially. 
Um, but of course, even when I'm sitting chatting to my family, and I was doing that this afternoon because we were on a Zoom call. My children who are in Ireland and England and my sisters in Durban, South Africa, uh, we were all sitting together chatting and I got through a couple of squares during that time, which I'm happy to say uh, was, again, time very well spent, not only just um, having a lovely time with my family. So that is uh, the Knits in Public Day. And um, I think that's probably all for me, from me for today. I feel as if I've been talking a long time. But I hope that you're enjoying the podcast. Um, and as um, as I've said, if you have any ideas of what I can do, and if you want to contribute, if there's something that, that you know, if you have a little square group um, going on somewhere out there in the world, and you would like to come on the podcast, I'm very happy to do an interview with you. Um, we all the only thing we need really is an internet connection and if you have a, a half decent microphone that can pick up speech and you can sit in a in a space that is not too um noisy then that's really all we need and i would love to 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 do an interview with you um so you can get hold of me at my email address leanne at nettersquare.com um and that's all from me to for today so this is leanne hunt casting off you can find show notes at www.knit-a-square.com slash kas-podcast. Please tell your friends about this podcast if you've enjoyed it, and you can share links on Facebook, Twitter, and wherever your knitting friends congregate. Together, we are bringing hope to South Africa's vulnerable children, one square at a time.